Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Pin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean. And, and I'm Susie Q. How's it going, Susie? It's going pretty good. I feel like it's been forever since we've been on here. I took a little bit of a break to go on a family vacation, so, uh, but I'm happy to be back and um, uh, it was a, a fun adventure and uh, unfortunately paying a little bit of a price for that right now, but uh, hanging in there, so... Um, and I, Susie was busy with tournaments as well. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That- it was, uh, it was quite an interesting tournament actually. Um, I, uh, I went down uh, Friday morning. Uh, it was actually kind of a close tournament. I was down in, uh, St. Chris Lake, which is uh, Southeast of Springfield. And, uh, it was high eighties. And then sat, I did like a, a double dip. Um, cause, uh, it was, um, there's two tournaments. Uh, one was on Saturday, one was on Sunday, both on the same lake, which is pretty nice. <laughs> and uh, Saturday's tournament, I got 13th. And then okay. uh, Sunday, the weather did a complete 180. It was As rainy. It often does. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was rainy, windy, and chilly. And uh, I actually uh, took home fifth. So, nice. Uh, nice. yeah. Uh, turned out pretty nice, so I can't complain too much. <laughs> so. Congrats, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, just shy. I was a uh, half inch uh, away from uh, uh, getting a little bit of a payout. But nice. Yeah, yep, yep. Well, you'll get so, it. You'll get there. That's pretty I, close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. 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 Do you have any heartbreakers that would have bumped you over? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Gotta <laughs> love you know, it. That's that's fishing for you. Yep. That's yep. Well, uh, for this week's show, um, I was uh, searching because um, I started to think about some of the other uh, kind of techniques and tactics that, um, you know, you guys might want to employ here as the water or water and weather gets warmer. And um, so one of the things that should be coming into play is top water. And uh, so I started thinking about some of the top water techniques and tactics that I don't uh, necessarily have a super uh, great grasp on. You know, anybody can throw a whopper plopper. I, I think that's pretty straightforward, although there is ticks, uh, tricks and tips with that as well. But um, I, w- I wanted to think about some of the other uh, techniques that maybe I'm not as comfortable with. And I started searching around um, and I started seeing a lot of articles on buzz baits. And I was like, you know what? I don't have a lot of comfort or familiar familiarity with uh, throwing a buzz, or a buzz bait. And then I found an interesting uh, video um, by our guest tonight. Um, and he talks about both buzz baits and topwater walking baits. So um, both of which I don't know that I, I think I've done a little bit. Uh, one episode, uh, we'll talk a little bit later about a Jigmasters product um, uh, that uh, we did a little bit of an episode on. But I don't know that we've ever done a topwater walking bait episode. So I think there'll be a lot of good info. Um, so I'd like to welcome Mr. Shane Ballou to the news podcast. Welcome, sir. Thank you. I appreciate the chance to be on. No problem. I uh, appreciate you uh, accepting the invite. And uh, again, uh, uh, definitely it seems like the video had a lot of good information. So I'm looking forward to picking your brain a little bit. Uh, but before we uh, dive into that, I wanted to give a chance to introduce uh, yourself to the folks and let them know kind of who you are, um, where you're from, and then kind of how you got into fishing and even how you uh, got into maybe uh, doing the articles and videos for Fishing Game. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um you know, I go. My, I started fishing whenever I was a kid. This is, you know, we're recording this on Father's Day, and uh, you know, I had to give a shout out to my dad on Instagram because of that. Oh, did we lose you? 
one of the earliest memories I hate, you know, and taking me on the um, on the boat with them. Uh, I know you guys are big kayakers and, and I don't know if you guys are familiar, but we have uh, back in the 70s. That kind of dates me. But there's a water wagon, which is a styrofoam platform that you basically put your legs off and kick. Well, my dad would put me on the back of that while he kicked around the lake. And so wow. my memories go way back. In fact, I'm, my garage is right behind me. I still have his water wagon back there right now. That's it's awesome. Like, it's I'm going to cool have to Google that just to see what it is. I don't think I've ever. I'll send you a pic. It's a cool, it's a cool platform to fish off of. The kayaks are a little sweeter today, but uh, <laughs> I go way back with fishing and bass fishing in particular has been a, a real passion of mine. And, you know, as I got older, I started trying to figure out how do you catch them on your own when dad's not with you and uh, really got into tournament fishing back in college. And, and um, that's been, gosh, a while back. And so I, I graduated college in 88. So that may date me a little further. But uh, really started, you know, I went to Texas A&M, fished a lot of those tur- uh, tournaments in, in lakes in East Texas that were legendary, uh, Toledo Bend and Rayburn and all those tur- uh, tournaments over there just taught me a ton about uh, pattern fishing. I, I became really passionate about that. Uh, when you get married, you start having kids, that kind of changes your, your priorities. And so I, I kind of shelved tournament fishing and, and a lot of fishing in general, but I started writing articles to scratch that itch. And uh, right, right for Bassmaster and, and uh, Game and Fish has been a really um, good partner of mine to write for. And then I just started doing some video work uh, for them and um, talking about basic tactics. You know, just we call it the Crash Course Series and uh, just talking tactics like you ran across on Topwater. Uh, you know, I tackle all kinds of different subject matter on there from square bow crankbaits to sonar. I mean, just basically, you know, kind of the beginner to intermediate fisherman um, topics that might interest them. Sweet. Well, that kind of sounds like our target audience as well. So hopefully uh, that will mesh up well. But um, and um, wh- what would you say is your be- favorite way to catch fish? I know I, your article mentions kind of a little bit about that, but. Uh... Yeah, man, I don't know that I have a, a least favorite way, but I can't <laughs> I can't deny that the top water has got to be the you know, if you if you can get that bite. I mean, that's the that's the most uh, explosive, most visual bite there is. So I, you got to you got to put top water at the at the very top of that list, and I don't care if it's a walking bait, a frog, or a buzz bait. I mean, I just love to watch that explosion. And I think, you know, as I as I process that for the for the article or for the video, I think what really is the draw for top water is the anticipation. You know, it's it's whether you are surprised by the, the blow up or not, it's the expectation that it might be there at any any time. So love that bite. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was kind of curious what when you when you hit the water, what says to you, OK, this this is might be a good time to try top water or, mm-hmm. or what kind of day or what kind of conditions are you looking at? Yeah. You know, so I would say in, in Texas where I live, you know, we're going to fish a top water probably late spring to late fall. And so that that could be April to or it could be even be March, March, April, all the way into October, November. Uh, you know, as you group, move gradually north, you're going to shorten that season somewhat. But I would say water temps in the mid to, to high 60s are going to be pretty prime for any kind of top water. Um, and, and as they start to decrease, probably the same thing. You know, they're, they're going to fall below that, that level. They just don't get as aggressive. It's not that they won't ever hit a top water, but they just don't seem as prone to coming to the surface in that cold water environment. But uh, as far as, you know, literally would have a top water uh, every single morning that I go to the lake in uh, in those months, you know, you've got it on the boat and ready uh, because a lot of times you're going to get schooling fish right in the heat of the day. Um, the ch- mm-hmm. 
But I, if I were drawing up the perfect topwater day, it's going to be some type of cloud, you know, cloud conditions because that's typically going to be when bass are kind of out away from cover. They're hunting, they're looking, and um, you know, you're you're look whether that's early in the morning, late in the evening, or anytime you have cloud cover come up, that's a prime time. But I will tell you, and then we can talk about this as we get into this. What I have come to learn in the last several years is that's not the only time. I used to really pigeonhole topwaters exclusively for those low light periods. They will eat a topwater in the bright sun, and I used to tell you that that would never happen, but it but it absolutely does happen. It's just we we, you know, we can talk about that as we go along. Okay, I, and I'm sure kind of color probably plays a, a part in that as well. I, I would think um, if because it, it's it's quite a different. Uh, a view from the fish if the if you're looking up at an overcast sky versus a like a bluebird bright sunny sky so i'm yeah curious you know some some folks get really dialed in on color and i i, I would tell you that you know i've got an assortment of, of baits here beside me I, and most of them are going to be some shade of white or some shade of black you mm -hmm. know and, and you know your bait fish colors i mean here's a here's a frog for example i mean just your your classic bait fish kind of whitish color but uh you know, whether it's a buzz bait, I'm going to throw a white or a black. Uh, I don't know that it makes that bit much of a difference. If I'm getting into a walking bait, a hard bait, whether it's a popper or a walking bait, then I'm going to start to dial in a little bit more on, um, yeah, like you say, Sean, if it's bright skies, I'm probably going to be a little bit more translucent. I'm trying to almost hide the bait in some respects. I want them to see that movement, but I don't want them to really recognize that that's a big plastic bait up there. <laughs> But on low light conditions, early and late, you know, some of your dark, darker colors, your frog colors, um, you know, your, uh, you, you can get into the little bit, a little bit more bold type colors, I feel like. But to be honest, I don't obsess on color, but I do think you can go with with general tones or or shades according to that bright or, you know, cloudy type condition. OK, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I I've I had a. On the Susquehanna, you know, I've I've played around with some top water. Um, you know, like I've had a lot of luck on this particular spook. You can see it's been chewed on quite a bit. Yep. And I have a, a popper that's a kind of a very similar color. It has a little bit of a chartreuse belly, but um, and then I've also thrown like the whites, you know, and yes. um, for some reason on the Susquehanna, I, I have more more luck with these uh, this color and the that uh, similar popper that I have um, versus anything with. Uh, necessarily bright shiny chrome like a uh, yeah. this is a tiny torpedo um but yeah so i i try not to get too hung up on but i know what works for my area so i that's so you that's, that's the dish it out for your your geography you know and so you you mentioned that chrome i do throw chrome a lot in those in those cloudy conditions and i've heard other people say they wait they don't throw chrome until it's really bright and sunny out so i mean that probably tells you it doesn't make that much difference. And that that's sort of my overall opinion on color in general. I don't mean to say that it doesn't matter at all, but it, whether it's a soft plastic or what have you, I don't think it's the difference in catching 10 or zero. You're going to, you may refine that bite to catch a few more, or it may hurt you a little bit if you don't have the right color, whatever that is, but I don't think it's going to be complete feast or famine. And Susie, I don't know um, what you, what's your experience with uh, poppers or walking baits and, and buzz baits. Do you have much luck? So um, definitely do with uh, buzz baits. Um, you know, I usually stick to two colors, just white and black. Um, you know, especially fishing um, my area, I'm used to fishing a lot of like different uh, muddy water. 
Yeah. Um, so a lot of times, you know, um, I like fishing with the, with the white um, most of the time. And usually that's, that's usually all I need um, is the white one. <clears throat> um, walking baits. I don't really, I haven't thrown those a whole lot. Um, just uh, mainly because I haven't really had like a lot of opportunity to throw them mainly because of where I'm at. There's just, there's a lot of moss, a lot of lily pads. There's almost not a lot of opportunity to throw them just because there's almost too much gunk in the water to get them hung up on. Yeah. In a sense. So, yeah. yeah. And that, that's a, that is exactly the issue. Whenever you know, I was fishing a lot of East Texas lakes that have a lot of hydrilla, you can fish that. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Valid in the, in the closer to the perimeter of that grass. And so, yeah, you're, you're right. You're somewhat limited by that big treble hook hanging down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I know you mentioned that in your video as well. Um, that's uh, kind of some of the times when you will turn to a buzz bait because it does through, come through the, the cover a little bit better, so. Yeah. It, I fish a lot of bushes, you know, submerged bushes out here in um, in my part of the state. I mean, you know, you can fish bushes anywhere, but uh, that is a big benefit of the buzz bait because you can thread that thing between there. And I'm not too worried about, the, you know, where that's that walking bait's going to, you know, invariably uh, catch a limb or something. You're going to hang up. You got to go in there and get it. You blow the whole place out. So you, you run the spot. So that buzz bait can be a little bit more efficient a lot of times. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I'd like, um, I figure we could start off talking buzzbait and kind of break that down a little bit, uh, kind of your rod choice, your line choice and everything. And then um, I'm curious about trailers, that kind of thing, yeah. too. So um, for let's start with rod and uh, rod and reel. What, what are you generally throwing on? 
Yeah, you know, on a buzz bait, I like a longer rod. I mean, I would say anything seven to seven four is really good, and I like a medium heavy. Uh, that's just a, I mean, that'll do a lot of different things, as y'all know. But uh, that that rod right there gives you a lot of length to to fire that buzz bait. And, and honestly, you're just looking for efficiency with with your cast. You're trying to cover as much water as you can. And so if I'm fishing a, a bushy flat, I'm going to fire that thing all the way to the bank. And so those longer rods really help you leverage that. And then additionally, I, I, you know, invariably your bites are going to come 70 feet away from the, you know, the boat or the kayak. They're way out there. So you kind of need that added length to pull that much slack and get a good hook set. And so I like a seven or, or even eight to one reel on it um, just to kind of. And the, just as much as, as anything, uh, it's it's more about catching up to the fish. Um, eat it. They'll come at the boat. You just can't catch them if you got a slow, you know, if you got a six to one reel or something, you can catch the fish, but you got to really crank it. So that's really my ideal setup. And I would say uh, from a line standpoint, uh, do not be afraid to go like really heavy. I mean, any any of the braid fluoros or mono will work on on a buzz bait, whereas you're somewhat limited with a, the walking bait. You can actually throw fluorocarbon with um, a buzz bait because you're keeping it on the surface. You know, floral sinks and so it's going to pull up a, a hard bait down. But with a buzz bait, you can actually make it work. But all that being said, whatever whatever line material that you like, go 20 pound. I mean, if you're talking floral or mono, and if you're going to go braid, go 30 to 50. I mean, you can go higher than that if you want to. You just, I think that 30 to 50 casts really well. But I'm not worried about line visibility. All I'm worried about is pure strength because I want to pull those fish out. You know. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, I know just off the the few buzz baits that I do have. Um, I have like a lot of different sizes, so this is a, a big one. Yeah. And then um, our fo- our friend, uh, one of our show sponsors, I mentioned this at the beginning, is Jigmasters, and this is their Micro Buzz. So this is made just to throw. I, I think it was done in partnership with the Tackle Talk podcast. Uh, um, Andrew Hayes over there and Cody from Jigmasters got together and put this together. So this is a cool little little uh, buzz bait. Um, has a cool screw lock keeper and yep. their swim head, and um, that's just made to throw like a little uh, grub on, like a curly tail grub. Um, so there's obviously a lot of different sizes. Um, do you tend to go large or small, or kind of figure out what the fish tell you? You know, I would probably from a from a weight standpoint, three eighths to half ounce. I mean, you you can go small, and, and I don't know what the weight of that one was. I kind of like the, the profile of that one. Um, yeah, I think this one's three sixteenth, but I think they have a quarter as well. The only, <laughs> the only issue with those is that they can be a little bit hard to throw because they're light. So you you would want to put a a, probably a plastic body or trailer just to kind of give a little heft there. But yeah, I, I, from a three eighths to half ounce is what I'm going to throw. And I mean, I've got just an assortment here, you know, we put buzz toads on them and stuff. I mean, I've got some pretty good size blade. I, you know, it's one of those things where you just kind of have to feel it out. I, I don't know that there's a, a, a scenario where I say I'm going to throw a small blade or a large blade. I, I kind of want a lot of commotion, really. And so, I mean, back in the day, years ago, I remember they had twin side by side buzzers. They had double in line counter rotating, all these yes. elaborate things, and they probably weren't just fine. I don't know that it makes that much difference. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact is, I, I think that three eighths to half ounce, but you know, the one you've got there is pretty interesting because um, down. Times is really the, the trick. Got, gotcha. Okay. 
And um, I know uh, one of the, you know, wives tales I've heard a lot about is um, that some people like them the squeakier, the better. So they'll like let it out in the rain or like hang it off their rearview mirror so that it, you know, gets the wind and just gets <laughs> spun the whole time until it just squeaks something awful. And then that they're like, oh, it's perfect. Uh, any any thoughts on that? Or like, do you like it to make noise or are you more just looking yes. for the top part of the service? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I, I've got yeah. something in the box that don't squeak so much and, and uh, I need to break them in. So you're, this one's a good squeal. Let's see if I can make it, if I can make it squeal. Yeah. I don't, you can't hear it on the podcast, but <laughs> there's something about that squeal that is legit. And I, you know, you have to think, well, what, the, what does a bass even think a buzzbait is much less a, a squealing buzzbait. And so there's nothing in nature that really it replicates. I think the point is it doesn't really matter because a bass is a predator. They're not selective feeders like trout where they're looking for that one specific nymph or midge. They're just eating whatever's in the, in the water. And, uh, I just think that they're drawn to that sound and that squeal is totally legit. And so I'm not opposed <laughs> to doing the same thing, tying it to the antenna on the way to the lake <laughs> because you're trying to get, you're trying to get that little grommet and that little, um, you know, that the last part of that buzz bait, you're trying to get that right there to uh, wear enough to where it's got that squeal. And if it's not squealing, I don't know what it is, but it just, I mean, you're going to catch a fish on it, but it's not as effective. And so I totally buy off on uh, tying that sucker to your antenna and going down the lake with it. You look ridiculous with it, but it will. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, do you have like any preference as to like um, using like ones that are like Clackers or like plastic props or ones that have like um, like the three blades or like four blades or anything like that. Yeah, Susie, I've got a clacker here. I, I thought, yeah, here's one right here. Um, so you know that clacker right there makes a lot of noise, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's kind of the same thing as the squeal. It's kind of that rock uh, ruckus. It just makes a little bit more, a lot more audible noise. It's kind of like a rattle tap coming through the water. It's just there's something audible that those fish are keying on and listening for, and uh, and attracting their attention. So, I think from a three or four or two blade bait or prop, you're looking at primarily speed of the bait because I, I don't think it really matters. You know, the fish, I drop a buzz bait. The fish obviously <laughs> know the difference in one versus the other, but those. Uh, those three and four blades, you can actually pull them a little bit slower. On, they got a little mm -hmm. bit of drag. You can pull them a little slower. Yes. And as you may have seen in my video, I really believe that the slower the retrieve with the buzz bait, the better off you're going to be. Because my temptation is I like to fish fast, whether it's spinnerbait or crankbait, <laughs> I like to fish fast. So I'll find myself, I'm cranking that buzz bait really fast. And if you can just keep it gurgling on the surface, mm -hmm. that seems like it gets more bites. And I don't know why that is, but it just, it seems like just that slow retrieve where it's just staying afloat and that props turning and that blade squealing, um, that really seems to be the key retrieve. And so all that being said is the only advantage I see of those multi-blade props is that you can slow them down even further. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't really even carry any, to be honest with you. I just, I'm really about simple in my tackle selection. I don't want to be thinking about, is this a three or four blade day? I just tie it on and it's, I really believe that any bait in your box is going to probably catch a fish. You just try to figure out how you can dial it in to get more, right? Yeah. 
Nice. Absolutely. Um, how about thoughts on trailers? Do you uh, keep that pretty simple as well, or do you kind of let the situation dictate that? Yeah, a lot of times, Sean, I don't even throw a trailer. A lot of times, I'll just okay. throw a, just a straight buzz bait. Now, the exception being, like, here's, you know, buzz bait right there. I'm happy throwing that one uh, without a trailer. But the advantage of the trailer just provides drag, and it keeps the bait afloat, kind of like we're talking about with the, the multi-blade props. You can just pull it a little bit slower, stays on the surface a little easier. Uh, I mean, everybody knows about the buzz toad combo, and, you know, that one, Strike King makes one. Uh, there's a bunch of them out there, but... Uh, that's a really good um, trailer and you know obviously no skirt on it you can put a skirt on it but uh, that one works really well and, and you know you kind of get that double action there from the trailer and the, the the prop we've had a lot of success with that one because I think it's it's sort of a profile thing as much as anything and, and if, whether you're throwing a spinner bait or a buzz bait your that trailer is really about the profile and, and giving it a little bit bigger package and it is a it is a big fish bait. I mean, a buzz bait of any sort uh, catches numbers, but it also catches big ones. And I think part of it is that that profile is part of the deal driving that. Gotcha, gotcha. I was curious, and I, I that's one thing that I have struggled a little bit with is keeping the bait on the surface. So um, yeah. maybe maybe going a little bigger might might help that. You know, it sounds like mm -hmm. maybe that that will add to being able to roll that a little slower, not have to burn it the whole way back yes. just to keep it on the top of the water. So. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a you know, just like uh, I throw a little Yamamoto swing cinco on the back of it. That just just enough to kind of give it a little bit of drag. Uh, I mean, there's just the split tail trailers work good. I mean, just something that. Water. Sorry, we had a little lag there. I was just waiting for it to catch up. <laughs> Yeah, all right yeah. i think you're good now all right um cool okay well um uh the, the only other question i was going to have is is there a time when you won't throw it because like i know sometimes when it's crystal like glass top and and i'm looking around and I, I don't see anything disturbing the surface of the water i i'm always thinking like why would i throw a a buzz bait here because nothing else looks like that is that yeah. something that you would do or is that maybe maybe that's the time maybe something disturbing it will be something different enough that the bass would be like oh hey look at that and go hammer yeah now this is this is kind of an interesting subject matter because i would have told you like i was kind of referencing early 10 years ago i'd have said there's no way in the world i would ever throw a buzz bait in the middle of the day on slick water, but I've absolutely seen it work. And I, it's kind of one of those things you've got to prove it to me and it actually does work. I'm going to tell you that's that's more of a one-off type thing. It's not something that, that I would say, oh, it's slick calm and it's, it's 100 degrees. I'm going to start firing a, a buzz bait. <laughs> it's kind of a niche thing. I think you're, you're basically trying to time it where if you know that there are fish moving in to feed on bluegill and shallow pockets and stuff like that at a certain time of day, they'll eat that buzz bait. And I think that's kind of what I've been been noticing or, or seeing in the last few years is and, and honestly my dad kind of got me onto this my dad was you know throws a buzz bait in the heat of the day like that and i'm like that'll never work well it does work you know <laughs> so it but it's a it's a it's kind of a niche deal so ideally i think you know i like a, a just a little bit of breeze a little bit of uh, uh you're trying to break up that surface a little bit and it's kind of like we were saying earlier and, and you were alluding to you're just you don't want to give them a really good look at that bait you know so this little niche deal I'm talking about where those fish are moving up to eat bluegill reason, and that's to eat. And when that buzzbait comes across, they're eating it. And so that's kind of a one-off. Nine times out of 10, I'd tell you, you want those lower light, 
uh, breezy conditions, you know, not necessarily wind with the buzz bait because the wind, it, it doesn't run good in the in a high chop. But if you've got a little, little surface uh, breeze going, that's ideal. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and how far would you say a, bu- uh, a bass is going to come up? Like what water depths would you throw it over? Like how far up from like they're, you know, 15 foot of water, they're probably not going to come up off the bottom necessarily. To, no, to that's my jump. thought. I, I, I like them on, you know, main lake banks, um, points and pockets in the main lake. Um, you know, there seems like there's always certain banks that just kind of hold bass uh, earlier or late or whatever it may be. But I, I think you're, you're kind of looking at, um, uh, I don't know, I was trying to think from a depth range. I would say anything five feet or less is probably fair game to pull a fish up to. Um, you know, out whenever you're fishing these grass lakes, uh, which is, you know, those are, are kind of niche deals as well. You're looking at, you know, you may be out 15 feet of water, but the hydrilla is kind of cascading down. So you're in deeper water, but those fish are not deep. They're not on the bottom. They're, they're suspended. But yeah, that buzz bait will pull them up. I'd say five feet or less for sure. But if you're in two to three, even better. Gotcha. And is that one of the those type of baits where you will like come up close to the shore and just cast parallel to the shore and just run yes. it down the bank? Okay. Yeah. If you're walking the bank, a buzz bait's an awesome bait for you. But um, yeah, absolutely. Paralleling, you know, going down the shoreline, throwing it in front of you from a, a kayak or boat standpoint is an excellent technique. Really, my goal is if I can thread it through, bring it by as much cover, as many cover types as I can on one cast and that's the most efficient type of cast and then I can just keep moving you know and I'm trying to I want to run it into the, the boat dock I want to run it into the bush I want to run it up you know off the rock or whatever it is I want to throw it on the sand and I'm going to start the sand because I want to figure out they're hitting it right off the bat they're hitting it in 18 inches or they're only you know they're moving it you know it's several yards off the bank you're just trying to figure out where's that sweet spot that you're you're targeting Gotcha. And most of the time, even in low light conditions, you're going to catch them around bushes or, or whatever cover type that you have. They're still going to be around that bush. They may not be locked in where you've got to flip in there to get them like you will say midday. But once once you've got them out, and they're kind of patterned up. You can figure out that, OK, if I run it by, uh, you know, the bush, that's when they're coming out to eat it. And on that video that you may have you've seen there, Sean, I was catching fish on that buzz bait on a shad spawn. It was mid morning and those fish were just hammering it. Every it was like, you know, the skies were perfect for me. So it was absolute heaven for catching buzz baits that or catching fish on buzz baits that day. So that's one of the things that you talked about too in that video. It was grass flats, and that made me really because there's parts of the Susquehanna where it's just like we have a mile wide river, and ninety percent of that is just one big five foot grass flat. And I'm like, if I'm looking for something to just cover water and see what's in that grass flat. That sounds like the perfect combination. It is. And they, they hear that, that coming out of that grass. And that's one thing about hydrilla or, or any type of vegetation. It's like, where do you cast? I mean, there's nothing specific out there. Where do you cast? And so that buzz bait's awesome because you can just fire cast over the top of it and just cover water and keep moving. And, and I learned that early on fishing that, that vegetation. Don't, don't feel like you got to sit there and soak one area. You just keep moving and those fish will tell you where they are. But don't slow down. And that buzz bait's a great bait to just keep chunking, man. And, and that, you know, the beauty of, of the buzz bait, you don't have to have 20 years fishing experience. You can be out there 20 minutes and you can catch them on a buzz bait. You're pretty much throwing it out and reeling it back in. You know, there's nothing advanced about it, but uh, it's just a cover water, big fish type of bait. I mean, it's like I say, you I will have one tied on every single morning that I go to the lake because it's just that kind of a, a lure. 
Gotcha. Well, I'm I'm gonna have to have one tied on now. At least uh, while it's warm here in Pennsylvania, you know. So yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, something to give it a try. Okay. Um, all right. Well, anything else you think uh, the folks would need to know about Buzzbait so that you can think of? <laughs> anything I missed? I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, that's and Susie. Anything else you could think of? Um. <clears throat> I think y'all dialed it in, man. Okay. Well, if, yeah. if if so, then we can move on to the other thing I wanted to talk about, which was walking baits. Now, mm -hmm. um, I I do have a little better experience with walking baits. Um. Uh, kind of one of the first baits I ever was given was a, a, a spook. And, you know, uh, I definitely didn't know how to fish it at first. But as soon as someone to taught me the walk the dog trick, then um, the spook started paying off for me. And uh, it's weird because it, it doesn't necessarily look like a whole lot. But something <laughs> about that that technique, walking the dog and and the, the way I spook just, I don't know. It it was almost one of the first topwater successful baits that I had. I got to use so yeah i've been throwing it for for many many years and back in the day the spook was about the only uh modeled out there now there's all kinds of imitators and they all catch them i mean they're all really good but man I, there's something about that spook and i said this about the buzz bait it, it is i mean top water in general is probably a big fish type bait but i probably caught more you know four plus pound fish on a on a spook than any other top water because that that walk the dog, that side to side slashing motion, man, it is uh, it is powerful. And I mean, it works on a frog and it works on a spook. But uh, yeah, I love throwing a spook and um, or, you know, whatever you want to call that walking bait, cigar bait, what have you. It is a phenomenal bait. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, let's jump into that one because that. Gotcha. Well, I I know, uh, like we mentioned, the spook is kind of one, the one that has been around forever, although I think the, the torpedo has been around for quite a while, too. This one has a little prop on the back, so I think that's uh -huh. that differentiates that a little bit. But, you know, now the newer ones, like this is a Shower Blows. I don't know if you're familiar with that, uh, Evergreen Shower Blows. Oh, yes, that's a good-looking bait, yep. Yep, yep. Uh, I've had good luck with that one. Um, but uh, And the spooks come from all different sizes. Like this is a Zara, this is a Puppy. So yep. that's a tiny little one. And then I don't, I haven't even opened this one yet. I got it at a giveaway at a tournament. Like they're like, Oh, it's the last thing left on the table, but I won. So I'm like, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. So uh, I haven't even broken out of the package yet. Cause it's so ginormous, but yeah. uh, uh, they'll eat it. they will eat it. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I think, um, you know, I think the, the, you know, we're talking size on, on the uh, buzz baits, but I do think the, the spook, the size of the, uh, of the walking bait can be a factor because sometimes uh, that seems like they like that smaller profile. That's the one they seem to bite better. Sometimes that bigger one. And I've, I'm like you, Sean, I've got a great big one. That's probably, I don't know. It's, it's huge size of my computer screen and you've got to have saltwater equipment to throw it. But you know, those, those fish are sometimes king on that size of profile. And um, again, I, there's not a situation where I'd say, well, here's when you throw this one or this one, you just kind of go by feel and you experiment. And if your buddy's got a small one, you got a big one, you just kind of see who's, who's catching them. But um, yeah, I think that profile can be, can be a factor in getting more bites. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and the walk the dog technique is something that's key to using these baits. Right. And um, so let's talk a little bit about how you pull that off. Um, I know that took me quite a bit to learn about the, how much slack you're actually pulling and giving back. Versus, you know, you don't, that's not a, definitely not a kind of something you want on tight line necessarily. That's right. Yeah. And the whole trick, as you just alluded to there, it's, it's not to tight line. You 
retrieve it to allow that rod tip to recoil between twitches. And so basically you're just throwing, you know, five, six inches of slack back in the line between twitches. So you're going to twitch down and recoil the rod tip back. And that's going to give that, that bait slack to walk. And it just takes a little bit of your muscle memory to figure that out. But once you get your cadence, I mean, it's, you're doing it second nature and you're basically reeling and, and twitching at the same, you're not working the bait by reeling it, but you're taking your slack in as you guys know. And so, it's just one of those things you get the cadence and, and man, I, you know, what's interesting though, is sometimes they like that real wide glide. They just big wide retrieve. Sometimes they like that little fast twitch action. And it seems like, I think I may have referenced this in the video, but I, I think that wider glide has often been the case for me. You kind of get in a cadence and it's just, it's just something moving across the surface. And uh, I don't really pause mine a lot. A lot of people will, will really, um, slow the bait down and pause it. Not there's nothing at all wrong with that, but I just feel like, you know, those fish are up shallow and they're probably fairly aggressive. And so I usually just work it fairly fast. I'm not trying to, you know, scoot it real quick across the surface, but I don't, I don't spend a lot of time pausing the bait, but some people do and, and it works really well for them. So. Gotcha. And, and, and that's one of the things um, that I've heard is, is, is an advantage. Whereas with a buzz bait, you're kind of covering a lot of area. Whereas with the walking bait, you're keeping it in the strike zone. If say, I know there's fish in that type of area, whether it's, you know, that five foot section along the bank. Um, and that way, as you're walking that bait back and forth, it is getting a lot of movement, but it's also not leaving that strike zone very fast. Yes. So uh, it's, it's a bait that allows you to kind of stay in there and, and really kind of get that bass like all right that thing's really annoying me it's it's up there walking around i'm going to go up and smash it so yeah that that's 100 percent in my opinion as well is it you can cover water with it obviously but it's also really good for targets and i, I like throwing it you know like you said okay i'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a fish around this obstacle this bush rock pile whatever and i can work that i can work that spook you know as slow as i want to whereas that buzz bait it's, it's coming over at a pretty good cadence you know um, but yeah, I think that's, that's really the strength to me of the walking bait is that you can vary the cadence and I like to work it up beside a piece of cover. And then I kind of work it fast as though it's something trying to get away, you know, like, uh Oh, I've been caught. And then that's, that can sometimes catch them too, as they're, you know, as that bait's trying to uh, get away, just that predator instinct that something's get away from me. And so they'll, they'll go up and eat it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I, I know, uh, from the video that, uh, your rod and reel choice is a little bit different than your buzz bait. Well, actually quite a bit different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I like a shorter rod and uh, you know, whether you're fishing from a boat a kayak or even the bank, if you've got a big long rod, you're just going to hit the bottom or, or hit the boat or hit the water. And so I think, uh, personally, I like a six, nine, six, six and a half to uh, six, 10, something like that. You know, something that I'm, I'm a fairly tall guy, six, three. So, uh, I just like a, a rod that's a little bit shorter and I can just twitch it a little better. Um, it's just easier, a little bit more responsive. And I like a medium to medium heavy on that one as well. Um, so if you're throwing the big heavy spooks, you know, that's probably going to be a little under a little bit light of a rod, but, um, and then on, on the reel, I'd be the same seven or, or eight to one retrieve. But uh, this is a situation where I really like straight monofilament <clears throat> or I'll do, uh, you can go straight braid. Uh, the downside of straight braid is that there is no memory and it'll you'll if you pause the bait it'll it'll glide over the the uh, line because it's so soft so if if i'm gonna go braid i'm gonna put probably a 18 inch uh,
you know, you've got enough resistance in that mono to keep the balance straight braid. Um, but fluorocarbon is no go. It will not work on, 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 a, on a walking bait or popper for that matter. It just doesn't work. Gotcha. Yeah. And that has been my experience as well. I, I tried straight braid and same thing. It would, it would walk over itself and then just kept foul up on the trebles and yeah, then it's, yeah. So definitely having some kind of uh, mono leader is definitely, I think, uh, the way to go there if you're not throwing straight mono. So yeah, but again, go heavy. I mean, I like twenty. I mean, you know, you can buy a roll of big game for six bucks. You know, get six hundred yards out of it. And uh, man, I just get the big heavy mono, and I spool it up twenty, thirty pounds. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just you're not worried about visibility. But that thicker line actually floats better on the water. And so you can get a little bit more response. And so I'm not at all worried about, you know, line visibility in on the top water. So the heavier, the better, you know, why not? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And I know, um, you know, that, that technique was something we talked a little bit about where uh, some kayak anglers aren't as comfortable standing. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, walking the dog that, that, that is a little bit harder to do. I've, I've learned to kind of, if I'm sitting, I can kind of do it off to my side, just kind of, uh, at an angle, uh, uh, kind of getting that motion, but, uh, my, my kayaks, um, you know, stable enough that I can stand. So, um, a lot of times I will do the same if, if possible. Um, but yeah. I know for those folks out there who don't like to stand, it is possible to, to pull off the walk, the dog from a seated position. It's just a little more, uh, you know, learning to, to get that mm-hmm. right. But that's mm-hmm. the one nice thing about the spook. Um, just the shape of it lends itself so easily to, that that's why kind of why I think, it worked out so well for me because it doesn't take a lot to get it to, to walk the dog. It, it you know, a, a lot of people kind of, I, you know, I've talked to a couple other beginning anglers and like, I just don't think I can make it do that. And I'm like, it really, you just have to try it. It, it kind of does it on its own. If you're even doing it halfway, right. You know, it, it's gonna, it's gonna kind of yeah. do it. And, and the more you do it, the better, you know, like you said, you'll get that muscle memory. And, and before you know it, you'll have it, you know, walking the whole way back to the kayak. So. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's just, once you kind of find that rhythm and cadence, it, it becomes sort of second nature, not even thinking about it, but I would think you're right. I don't fish off a kayak much, but I do think if you could hold that lure, that rod tip to the side, you can pretty much accomplish the same thing. It's just a little different, a little different action, but um, should accomplish the same thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. And um trying to think of anything else that I can think of. Um, obviously, you know, we talked color selection a little bit, on these, I have all sorts of different colors of these. And like I said, I haven't really, like this one was the one I got yeah. in our, uh, all sorts of different colors. Um, yeah. Even like the bright uh, fire tiger ones, mm-hmm. you know, and this one has a dress treble on the back. Yeah. So they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. But uh, again, I don't know that, you know, necessarily it makes a huge difference. But if you like, if you can match the hatch, I think that, you know, might be, if you see bait fish and yes. you have something that's somewhat similar to that size or color i think that'd probably be not a horrible choice so totally man absolutely and I, i'm with you if, if there's something specific that you're seeing like bluegill man why wouldn't you put on some kind of bluegill pattern you know but uh yeah and, and I, I some some guys that i know that are they get really dialed in like on uh, you know frog patterns and, and things like that and again i you know i just don't think it's the this the total difference in feast and famine on a on a on a walking bait uh, I like white and black, like we talked about, and I do have a, an assortment of frog colors and, and some of the cool, you know, cool colors you pulled out there probably would be more along the lines of when it's a little water's a little off. Color. 
clean water whenever I'm, I'm throwing a uh, walking bag, whereas a, a buzz bag, but uh, I like that cleaner water. And so I think color comes into a play, but I couldn't tell you exactly, you know, a hundred percent that matters every time, you know? Gotcha. That makes sense. You know, and it, it's weird. Most of my lakes around me are, are mostly off color. It's, you know, definitely yeah. not clear. Now the, the river, the Susquehanna occasionally does run clear. There's times where it also runs chocolate milk as well, but um, yeah. so it is good to have, you know, somewhat of a mix of colors if you're going to be fishing the river, but um, yeah, cool. Uh, uh, Susie, any other questions you could think of about walking baits? Um. Oh, I know one I was going to ask. Um, I've heard um, one of the things that helps walk more is by tying like a loop knot or something. Do you try tie direct or do you use a snap or do you use anything at the end or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I would say I, I put a, uh, if it doesn't have a split ring on it, I do a split ring. Uh, if you're tying direct, I would do the loop knot, but uh, you do want a little bit of slack in there just because you want to have a little freedom of motion. Uh, you know, you don't want to be, it's just harder to walk if you tie it directly to the eye. So if you've got a, a snap or a split ring or, or that loop knot, yeah, definitely that gives it some freedom of motion for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I'd, I'd heard of that a couple of times. I, I don't know how to tie the loop knot, so I usually just put a snap on there. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's easier for me, but uh, yeah. that's just me being lazy and not wanting to learn another knot. So yeah. Um, understood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, well, cool. Um, Susie, I think we kind of covered a lot of this. So I think we did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think we, cool. we got all our bases covered. That's awesome. Well, good. Um, well, I, Shane, then we won't, we won't have to draw this out any further than we need to, man. Um, wanted to give you a chance, uh, to kind of let folks know where they can find you. Um, I'll definitely include, like I said, a link to yeah. that video uh and a link to um game and fish as well um but any other place yeah. uh you want to shout out or oh yeah i mean uh, instagram's always uh, a fun place it's bass underscore scribe uh just like the writer and so i do a lot of freelance writing um and, and video work uh, really didn't been doing a lot for game and fish with this crash course series but yeah check out the crash course series on uh, game and fish we do a lot of topics um you know uh, lure related and, and so forth but uh um, I've got a YouTube channel and I think it's the same thing. I'm trying to remember what my, what my <laughs> username is. I think I'll find it. Yeah. I'll I find it. Included in the Thank you. Gotcha. No, much appreciated, man. I love talking fishing. So anytime you guys, uh, need, uh, want to talk, man, I'm, I'm your guy. I love to love to kick around fishing topics all the time. Awesome. 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 Cool. Well, uh, again, thanks so much for uh, coming on. Um, guys, check out the show notes. I'll include links to a bunch of the baits that we talked about uh, in this episode, and um, as well as links to uh, Shane's uh, writings and his videos. And uh, so be sure and check him out as well. Um, uh, Shane, if you wouldn't mind hanging on a little bit after we end this, just I want to have a few other things just to go over real quick. And, yeah. But otherwise, um, guys, uh, Susie, uh, anything else? Not that I can think of. Awesome. Well, uh, again, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this has been another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a good night.